lovely game. A bit nippy, but a lovely, lovely game. What is the temperature? Officially from the Chris Reavers John Hyde newsroom. Niner. The Niner? Yep. I don't know what to make of the Wild, so I have no comment. I, I don't know what to think. Matthew Mikulski Jr. was extremely distraught at the end of that uh, game. You know, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm heavily invested in the game of ice hockey. Yes. I love it. But I, I'm not that invested over 82 games or whatever they play. You're going to win some and you're going to lose some. I, I want them to win every game, but. But when you're up 3 nothing over over the last place team in the world, you can't lose that game. So I, win that. I'm going to leave the more uh, reasonable analysis to Judd, who uh, still is upset. Tearing out still, what little when the show well. is over, is still talking about it. Emailer Jeff writes. But th- these are the kind of games when at the end you have to go, oh, if we just would have won one more, we'd be in this position. This is one of those games. Do you know, and I don't mean this to be flippant, do you know that I forgot that the Olympics were on last night? I, I clicked from the wild mm. to watching uh, the golf tournament at Pebble Beach. I I forgot that the Olympics were on. We didn't in my high camp. Uh, that makes your point. The Olympic buzz is just not there. Ain't there, is it? It's not there. I got an email from Jeff who writes, Joel, be sure to look at the very bottom story on the first page of the Outdoors Weekend section of today's Star Tribune, Jeff from Brooklyn Park. The bottom story in the first... I have I that section. I don't know that I did. Yeah, I have okay. This. I have that section. Raptor tail preys on the imagination. Uh, oh, it's a story about people finding uh, uh, dog collars in eagles' nests, <laughs> uh, which is a uh, an urban myth, apparently. Right. I, I don't have time to read this whole thing right now. Uh, uh, the at the National Eagle Center. Uh, it's the most common story we hear from visitors. Uh, the story of pet collars found in the nest of raptors. Huh. And apparently that's that's not necessarily the case. But I, I'll have to read it. Maybe it is. If you search Google, you can find plenty of versions of the yarn, all with slightly different details. In one, a wildlife official in Wisconsin supposedly discovered 27 pet collars in a collapsed eagle's nest. Another report had the incident in Whatcom County, Washington, and a third recounted in 2010 by birding columnist Jim Williams in the Star Tribune. The nest was in Hennepin County, and 51 dog and cat collars were found. Uh, it's apparently an urban myth. Okay. How is everybody? Well, everybody's doing good. Johnny's off. Uh, Reavers is off. Uh, doing, oh, he's not off. He's putting together a newscast. Did you read about this? Uh, God, this angers me. Which, which story? Tom Corbett. Uh, and you know what? He's uh, 48 years old. He bags groceries at Cooper's. Oh, yeah. Down on 7th Street in St. Paul? Yep. I know and, it well. And I, you know, I was in that industry. I can identify. I'm a fellow bagger. Yeah. I was a bagger. Uh, Vogel's Were you Market. Were ever a bagger? Vogel's Market. I yep. was Lassard's. Uh, you know, us baggers, you got to look out for each other. Yeah, I'll say. Well, this poor guy was hit. And again, that's, a, that's the second hit and run in St. Paul. We lost the, uh, the chef at the, uh, what's uh, the name of the pizza place? Bra- um, Brasa? Brasa. On Grand yes. Avenue. That guy was riding his bike. He gets, uh, hit and run and yep. died. This guy, uh, 
uh, 48-year-old Tom Corbett. Uh, he's in stable condition, but a broken jaw, broken ribs, punctured lung, lung, and now his family and friends obviously want to know who's responsible for Found the, in a snowbank. Is, where are we headed? Well, somebody knows. Even where if are you we were, headed? even if you were tipping the, if you were uh, having a cocktail, you would know that you hit somebody, and it wasn't a pothole. And you really, I'm sorry, but you, you just got to fess up. That's... He has Down syndrome. He has lived in uh, in adult foster care with. Uh, Rick Hansen and his family for the past 25 years. Aren't they good souls? I bet he's one hell of a worker, too. Mm-hmm. He's in and out of consciousness. <sighs> no witnesses yet. And no video so far. He typically walks home from work because he likes to be independent. Uh, you know, I could, I could get real heavy right now because I've been having these deep, heavy thoughts. Well, get a little heavy. I'm don't bring me all the way down. I've been having these, well, and hardly, it's hardly revelatory what I'm about to say. Revelatory. Revelation. Revelatory. It's just life's getting cheaper, isn't it? All around the world. Life is just getting held in poorer regard all around the world. And and, and St. Paul, Minneapolis is not, cannot escape that. Here's t- twice inside, what, five weeks, six weeks, mm-hmm. that uh, first a bicyclist and now a pedestrian gets mowed down by a word I can't say who doesn't stop to help. Right. <clears throat> Boy, was the off-site correspondent and his friends, his little friends, were having certainly having a lot of sport with me yesterday. Aha. Uh-huh. Because during the uh, news in the 3 o'clock hour, I wondered, rhetorically, wasn't there a painter named Whistler's grandmother? Whistler's grandma. Mm-hmm. And none of you morons helped. You I didn't, don't, I don't no, know Whistler. I don't know his grandma. None of you. I was on the right path. Who's grandma? No, there was a there was a painter named Grandma Moses who had a famous painting, Whistler's mother. <laughs> and and so, I had Grandma Whistler. So, okay, I'll give you credit. Points I was awarded. almost there, wasn't Points I? Points awarded. I had one of the words right, Grandma. Yeah. I thought it was Grandma Whistler. No, uh, and uh, frequent emailer Tom Wilson says, you are conflating a famous painting. Whistler's mother with a famous painter, Grandma Moses. Fact-based, he knows. You're right, Tom, with fact-based. I mean, that's really going but deep. But at least I, at least I had thought. it in there. It was in my brain pan somewhere that there was a painter that had grandma in her name. Right. It was Grandma Moses. Right. Who painted Whistler's mother. Okay. Was it Whistler's mother? Yeah. Her aunt or something like that. Cousin? Whistler's mother. Okay. But uh, the chief offside correspondent, he couldn't, he 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 just couldn't wait to ridicule me. He had more fun than he can shake a stick at, which is fine. When you're the chief offside correspondent, you're entitled to that. Right. I was confusing it with... You guys didn't spring into action. No, because I knew it wasn't um, uh, family-related. I just knew that the um, I was the wizard is what I was thinking of. The wizard outside. Uh, Larry writes, I posted this on Stephen Witherspoon's Facebook page. Of course, he did not respond. Stephen Witherspoon has come up the last two days. He is the... Uh, Duluth chapter president of the NAACP. 
and he is among those who are too uh, cowardly to come on the radio and tell us what books they have in mind to replace To Kill a Mockingbird and The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Because they say he and, uh, what's Carrie's name, Rook? I got it here, don't I? Uh, I got it here. Uh, Carrie. Michael Carey, the district's director of curriculum and instruction, he's been intensely lobbied to come on the show, and so is Stephen Witherspoon. Neither of them, uh, neither of them will. Uh, so, Larry writes, I posted this on Stephen uh, Witherspoon's Facebook page. Of course, he did not respond. Stephen, you have been asked to be a guest on a very popular radio show hosted by Joe Souchere to explain your point of view on the, of this issue. It seems to me you could influence far more people in a few minutes than you ever will on a Facebook page. I hope you will consider this radio request so we can hear your perspective. Uh, thanks, uh, Larry. Thank you, Larry, but that's going to be of no avail. Who do you want me to take here? Pete? Pete? What did I do? Try what, it again. What's line two? Who's line two? Mark. Mark? Mark, go ahead. Yes, it was James Abbott McNeil Whistler who painted Whistler's mother. Who in the hell is Grandma Moses? She was a different painter altogether. So Grandma Moses didn't paint Whistler's mother? No, James Abbott McNeil Whistler painted Whistler's mother. <laughs> Thank you. Good luck. <laughs> so everybody's wrong. Well, wait now, take Mark, because that wasn't Mark. You that, went to line three. No, he didn't. Yeah. Mark? Hey, Joe. The, that's the information I had for you. But the last caller got it. The Whistler's mother painting is that famous painting of a woman dressed in black, yep. a white lace hat on her cap. Yep. You've got that much. Okay. And, you know, I was really disappointed uh, yesterday that with the, uh, the guinea pig story, the hamster story, that Morgan Freeman didn't come up with a description of the uh, travail of that story. <laughs> Well, oddly enough, Mark, he was the one that narrated the uh, the hamster roundup on National Geographic. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see if we can find the audio. Thank you. Uh, bye. All right, we're gonna be back. A little road music. Uh huh. Bumper one does not disappoint. Well, you're getting graded today. All right. All right. Let's clear this up uh, so I can move on uh, to other things. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> what do you got now? I've, I've just continued to screw it up. Uh, frequent emailer Tom Wilson writes back, You're almost there. Grandma Moses did not paint Whistler's mother. That was painted by James McNeil Whistler. All right. See, when, when Tom's first email came in, uh, yeah. where's his first one? Uh, I don't know. When his first one came in, I thought he here. And Kelsey said, "Here's what Whistler's mother would look like today." It's, it's a picture of, of Pat uh, with a with a uh, photoshopped bra on, sitting in the seats at at, at spring training. Uh, yeah, here's here's 
Tom Wilson's original email. You are conflating a famous painting, Whistler's Mother, with a famous painter, Grandma Moses. Okay, and from that, I took that to mean that Grandma Moses painted Whistler's Mother. Grandma Moses did not paint Whistler's Mother. You with me? Yeah, and I think you're... And the, I think- the chief offsite correspondent weighs in... Mayor James Whistler painted Whistler's mother, the proper name of which is Arrangement in Gray and Black Number One. And Granny was not on, it wasn't Granny Moses, it was Granny on Beverly Hillbillies. And listen to a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer barely kept I think that was an interactive thing. That's what Kelly wants to know. Wasn't Grandma Moses on the Beverly Hillbillies? Yes. We're almost done clearing okay, everything sure. up. Well, uh, we're on point here. We're trying whatever. to be, aren't we? Yep. Uh, oh, and Matt G., our, our uh, car guy, weighs in with the derby car, the demo derby car. Yeah. Uh, guys, I know it's the middle of winter, but here's a pic of my recent purchase uh, of one of the 2018 GL demo derby cars. He sent a picture. It looks like a little... I don't know, Toyota or whatever. Hopefully I can defend my title, and since the Vikings weren't able to bring it home, I'll do my best to bring it home this summer for you guys and all of the GL fans. Uh Cheers, Matt. Matt G., our official demo derby guy. Good luck. Uh, I'm almost there. Grandma Moses did not paint Whistler's mother. That was painted by James McNeil Whistler. Got it. And uh, off-site correspondent Downing writes... I wasn't sure if Harlingen was a real place, but this morning I heard on the radio that on this date, Feb 9, in 1981, Bill Haley died in Harlingen, Texas, which he had made his home. I wonder if we might get a call today from someone in Harlingen who knew him. But it should be tasteful because Mr. Haley's final years were rather sad. Uh, He had a number of demons. I found this story based on an interview with his widow online on Texas uh, in the... the, uh, Site Texas Monthly. I, I didn't know that uh, Bill Haley of Bill Haley and the Comets lived in Harlingen, uh, Texas. I didn't know that. It's probably one of the most, or maybe one of the only famous people to come out of Harlingen. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Uh, I mean, the town is hard to say. Just a minute. Oh, can I? Uh, may I uh, become my speed bump uh, again? I'm, I'm your. I'm a. I'm the great denier. Right. Uh, and this is according to Physics News. Is that a better source than me? Yes. Uh, that's a, maybe three or four rungs higher. The Pacific nation of Tuvalu, long seen as a prime candidate to disappear as climate change forces up sea levels, is actually growing in size, according to new research. Mm. A University of Auckland study examined changes in the geography of Tuvalu, Tuvalu's, I don't know how to say it. Tuvalu, Valua. No, uh, the geography of Tuvalu's nine atolls and 101 reef islands between 1971 and 2014 using aerial photographs and satellite imagery. It found eight of the atolls and almost three quarters of the islands grew during the study period, lifting Tuvalu's total land area by 2.9%. Uh, even though sea levels were rising. Co-author Paul Kench said the research published Friday in the journal Nature Communications challenged the assumption that low-lying island nations would be swamped as the sea rose. Uh, will this ever, would the, will the New York Times pick this up? Will the Washington Post pick this up? Will the Los Angeles Times pick this up? Will the Star Tribune pick this up? 
I doubt it doesn't fit the template. The template says that we're all going to drown. Mm-hmm. Then I saw another story. Okay. I think it was on the NPR news site. Uh, forest found under the sea forest. can tell us about climate change. Well, so so in other words, on the one hand, the, the, the knuckleheads are willing to acknowledge that the climate has always changed. In other words, there's a petrified forest in the ocean somewhere, and by examining those uh, findings, you can learn a lot about what happened 10,000 years ago, 30,000 years ago, whatever. So on the one hand, they're willing to acknowledge, not NPR necessarily, all all of the Al Gore crowd. They're willing to acknowledge that the climate has always changed. Right. But what what they can't get over, there's a hump they can't get over. They think it's changing now because of you. Right. Even though not them, they still get to fly years around ago. in private jets. Right, you, it's your fault. My fault because of what light bulbs I'm using. Who's the one guy I believe? Uh, Paco Pedro Luca. Pedro Pedro Luca. He's the hermit that lives in a cave in South America. He's never used a a thing. And if he wants to lecture me, he gets the floor. Right, you go right ahead. Bud. He gets goes right to the front of the line. Uh, Reavers is next. Here's Chris Reavers in the John Hyde Newsroom. Thank you, Joe. And this report is brought to you by the Duluth Trading Company. Visit Duluth Trading Stores in Bloomington, Fridley, Woodbury, and downtown Duluth. The Wild blew a three-goal lead over Arizona and fell in overtime last night, 4-3. to three. The Wild were also outshot 40-28 to 28 to the worst team in the NHL. They are now off tonight before hosting the Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow night. Wolves look to bounce back after their overtime loss to the Cavs on Wednesday night. They are in Chicago to take on the Bulls. This will mark the return for Jimmy Butler, who spent six seasons in Chicago before being traded to the Wolves this last offseason. Tip from the United Center tonight is at 8.30. You know what the Wild are doing? They're making it very easy to be uninterested. Yes. Uh, and I. it's rare that I share the same opinion with Judd Zolgad. Mm-hmm. they got to blow it up. Right. They're just making it very easy to be uninterested to yeah. take them to take them only casually, and it's a shame because the fan support for that team it's has been it's has the been best in the league, tremendous for the last couple of years. But even if they, how about from day one, if they squeak in as the eight seed, okay, great. Yeah, what is that going to be? It, well, again, they've made it easy to be only yep. casually interested. The Vikings are hiring Eagles quarterbacks coach John Filippo to be the team's offensive coordinator. Uh, the 39-year-old interviewed with Vikings general manager Rick Spielman and coach Mike Zimmer in Philadelphia following the Eagles' Super Bowl parade yesterday. Uh, Filippo, who was the Browns' offensive coordinator under Mike Pettin back in 2015, was the Eagles' quarterbacks coach the past two seasons. Uh, he beat out Vikings quarterbacks coach Kevin Stefanski who was thought to be the team's other leading candidate to replace Pat Shermer. The rumor now is that Stefanski, who has been with the Vikings since 2006, could now follow Shermer to New York to become the Giants' next offensive coordinator. Gopher men's basketball team is in Indiana tonight to take on the Hoosiers. Five games remaining in the regular season. The Gophers have lost six in a row and nine out of their past ten. Uh, we mentioned the controversy surrounding the Olympics yesterday, Mr. Mayor. Yes. Team USA speed skater Shawnee Davis sat out today's Winter Olympics opening ceremony in Pyeongchang. A day earlier, Davis had vented his frustration over a coin flip, costing him the opportunity to carry the United States flag during the event's Parade of Nations march. Does he know how a coin flip works? Oh, he's a he's a he's a dummy. He's no, a but DB. does he know how a coin flip works? Yeah, it's, it's he got a fifty-fifty chance. Wait, is it the white flip or is it the black flip? Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's a coin flip. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
The coin knows no race, right? B as in B, S as in S. What a weenie. Uh, editorial comment from the newsman. I yes. read the tweet yesterday. I'm not going to read it again today. But uh, does he realize how easily replaceable he is? Uh, he's, I I, he's, he's talking about how, well, then I'll just wait till 2022. Well, he'll be about 50. Well, I, I got news for you, bud. You're probably not even going to be on the team next year. Yeah. He's handling it. Uh, it's very a black conspiracy to yeah. get black athletes off the team. That's it. News notes from today. U.S. Representative Rick Nolan said today that he will not run for re-election this year, an unexpected decision in what's likely to be a tough battle between the DFL and Republicans for his northeastern Minnesota congressional seat. Are we bring it back Stewie? Now is the time for me to pass the baton to the next generation, Nolan said in a statement announcing his retirement. Nolan, 74, won two tough re-election battles in his northeastern Minnesota district since his uh, election back in 2012. Nolan publicly entertained a run for governor last year, only to announce last summer that he would run for re-election in the 8th Congressional District. In a one-page statement issued today, Nolan promised to finish strong the remaining months of his term. (laughs) Right. He said the jobs were back or coming back to his district and wages were up. Go get them, boys. President Donald Trump signed a $400 billion budget deal that boosts spending and swells the federal deficit, ending a brief federal government shutdown. The House and Senate approved a bill to keep the government funded through March 23rd, overcoming opposition from Democrats as well as Tea Party conservatives to endorse enormous spending increases despite looming trillion-dollar deficits. We're poorly led, aren't we? We're just poorly led by all of them who keep spending us into ruin with money that doesn't exist. The House voted 240 to 186 to approve the bill just before dawn Eastern time, hours after the Senate had approved the measure on a 71 to 28 vote. Trump tweeted today, or excuse me, this morning, that he had signed the bill writing that the U.S. military will now be stronger than ever before. The budget bill also means jobs, 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 Trump tweeted. That would have been funny if Morgan Freeman did weigh in on the flushed hamster, wouldn't it? We can try to track him down. Yeah. I've got the audio. It's on National Geographic of the the roundup. That hamster fought its way. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't do an impersonation of himself. We'll try to find it. A hundred miles of straight. I don't think it's the same as, you know, Snoop Dogs. Or, what is those? Mong- what is these animals? Mongooses? What is these? Mongooses? Oh, looking back up that gator, yeah. cuz. i never seen no gator get punked by 12 mongooses. Do you do a Snoop Dogg? No, I do oh, not. Okay. I try, but it's not really. Well, he has a soft voice, essentially. Yeah. Are you yeah, hiding like the cat? That. Yeah. For real? Yeah, he hiding in the cat. What is these animals? <laughs> these mongooses? <laughs> I never seen no get a punk by twelve mongooses. That hamster crawled through a mile. That's Morgan. We'll see what we can oh, find yeah. here for Morgan. Three members of an Ohio family who registered winning fish in the January twenty seventh Brainerd JC's one hundred and fifty thousand dollar ice fishing extravaganza on Gull Lake have passed lie detector tests. Well, good for them. We had a lot of fun with them, and it turns out. They're a rare breed, an honest fisherman. Yes, and they it's will good be enough for me. They will be allowed to keep their prizes. They get in, to keep that truck, including the new GMC pickup contest All organizers right. announced yesterday. All right, Ivan Lyogi of Hartville, Ohio, and his sons Stephen and Rostick were tested separately by a licensed polygraph examiner, and no deception regarding the contest. I'm seeing Wally Cox. <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing a guy yeah. with the big glasses. Yeah, exactly. Get the bad J.C. Penny <laughs> yeah. short sleeve shirt on. Now just relax, and this will be done shortly. Yeah. Yeah. 
And and what's the room? Describe the room they're taking the test very, in. Very uh, very plain, almost almost military like uh, clinical uh, green with a green linoleum floor and one of those desks that has the, the, a metal a metal desk. <laughs> it's a metal desk, yeah. and there's there's nothing and on. These but three maybe Bulgarians a are sitting out there sweating bullets, right? And they bring them in, and they're you know they're worried about this and that, and they pass the thing. And somebody at one point pushes the bridge of their glasses back all the way up. We'll begin now. Did they did they converge their story together too before they no, all went no, into the separate they, rooms? No, no, they were separate. They had to gotcha. separate them. These yeah. are honest fellas. Stephen Liagi won the contest and the pickup with a Northern Pike that weighed three point one zero pounds. Yvonne took third place with a two point eight nine pound Northern Pike, and Rostic captured ninety eighth place with a one point zero seven pound perch. Yvonne won a thousand dollars for third place. And 98th place was good for a new ice auger. Contest organizers said that they received anonymous information after the contest that raised suspicious suspicion, excuse me, about the fish. About 12,000 anglers participated in the contest, and only one other angler, other than Yvonne and Stephen, registered a northern pike among the top 150 largest fish. We mentioned Brassa earlier. Uh, it lost one of its employees to a hit-and-run driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said it was a pizza place. I'm being told by the chief offsite correspondent that it is not just a pizza place and that you should have known that because that's food-based. <clears throat> I've never been there. Neither have I. Yeah, but it's a very good is that a, oh, a very sorry. good spot. It's a very good place to eat. Right on the, Grand between about uh, Dale yeah. and Victoria. It's, it's in an old punch pizza place. Yeah. Maybe that's what threw you off. Yeah. Or yep. maybe it's an Italian pie shop. I'm seeing the the uh, room looking something like are this. We, are we in the lie detector yes. now? <laughs> well, this doesn't do the listeners any no, good. No, it doesn't. But hang uh, on, hang on. there's some. It's just a, an office desk, and there's a drunk man looking for his driver's license, and he's about to go into the wall. Three, two, one. <laughs> and not only, uh, not yeah. only that. Stand over here. Stand over here. Yeah. He's, he's, hands on the tape. He can't here. stand up straight. Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, listen for it. <laughs> he 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 walked down the uh, hallway, and oh, then they zoom God. in on the the um, uh, yeah, plant. What do you call it? Sheetrock, yeah, where go. there's a gigantic hole where his head basically went two rooms wow. down. Oh. That's my favorite. A 12,000-square-foot stone mansion, Rook, you better pay attention, Yes, is going up for auction and will set sell to the highest bidder even if the price is well below the $6.9 million list price. What do you got? The home in the upscale Scottsdale Estancia Golf Community comes with a garage that could be a car showroom, six bedrooms, and 11 bathrooms. International Realty and Concierge Auctions are holding the live online auction something they plan to make an annual event. The groups say the home is being sold with no reserve, meaning it will sell no matter how low the Come price. On. Bidding starts at 4 p.m. Friday, February 9th. That's today. Buyers must be pre-qualified, show they have the money to purchase the mansion before they can bid. Auctions can successfully sell the uh, finer tangible's life, blah, blah, blah. Damn. The Scottsdale home is owned by Mark and Melissa Matson, who paid $6.5 million for it. Back in 2014. Is Dave Dahl available? I just talked to him a minute ago. Good afternoon. Here's Dave Dahl. Thank you, Joe. The average high for this time of the year is 27. The average low is 11. 
We're not even up to the average low for this time of the year yet. We're at 10 above currently. Should hit a high today of about 12. And then low tonight down to 3 degrees below zero. Tomorrow, 15. Still quite a bit of sunshine all the way through the day on Saturday. Sunday starts out sunny, becomes partly cloudy in the afternoon. That's the start of our warm-up. 21 for the high then, still below average. 21 is again on Monday. Maybe some light snow or flurries by the evening. Tuesday, 25. Wednesday, up to 34 degrees. Nice little thaw there in the middle of the week. But then a big drop again. Another Arctic front comes through, and our high drops to 16 on Thursday. So after that, 34 on Wednesday, 16 on Thursday. Friday, about 20. Some more light snow by the end of the week. But uh, no big storms in sight, at least not now. Right now, Joe, it's 10 above. Thank you. Uh, the gang at the Freedom from Religion Foundation uh, in Madison, Wisconsin, is getting the uh, is getting the 1959 Pontiac hearse backed out of the ramshackle garage. They're clinging to the sides, and Rook, have them take off. They're heading for... There they go. There they go. Up. Hang on, fellas. <laughs> They're heading to uh, Hobbs, New Mexico. Aha. Uh-huh. There's been a terrible, terrible no. uh, problem uh, that requires the attention. There they go. See you guys. Good luck with that. It's a long trip. Yeah, it is, really. Yeah, the... Uh, uh, well, it's a big problem uh, down there. Uh had a Martin Luther King. Yeah, what's the problem? What are they? What Junior are they Day program. Worried about? Well, it was a terrible problem. Uh, they discovered that during a Martin Luther King Day Junior program at Booker T. Washington Elementary School in Hobbs, New Mexico, they sang some gospel music. No, oh, those bastards! No, how could they? How could they? Come Imagine on. that. They sang gospel music at a Martin Luther King Jr. holiday celebration. What? And that caused our uh, the gang at the Freedom for Religion Foundation to get on the get uh, cling to the uh, uh, roof of the 59 Pontiac hearse and head down there. It is laudable that the city is celebrating Dr. King and promoting unity within the community. Freedom from Religion Foundation legal fellow Christopher Line wrote in a letter to city leaders. However, including gospel music and religious music, uh, I'm sorry, including gospel music and religious messages in the celebration is inappropriate. Uh, just a minute. I can't, I can't hear this. The Freedom from Religion Foundation is a Wisconsin-based group of atheists, agnox, agnostics, and free thinkers who seem hell-bent on eradicating Christianity from the public square. On January 15, the city hosted a, an MLK Day March. In, that's right. An MLK Day March and program at Booker T. Washington Elementary School. The program was advertised as, and how dare they do this, an opportunity to display hope and faith. <laughs> we don't you want can't have we don't that. Want that. You can't Get that do out that. Of here. I mean, really. You're going to risk the ambulance if you do that. Come on. Uh, this is the part that I hate. I, I don't know what to do about it. Well, Freedom from Religion Foundation said they were contacted by a concerned resident. What? Who discovered the celebration included religious music performed by a gospel choir and numerous speakers who made reference to God and Jesus. Oh, Let me ask the question I always ask. Got it. And I've, uh, don't worry, Euphorians, I've thought of the larger ramifications. I can be a deep thinker if I have to be. Yeah, you're okay. I'm going to ask the question I've always asked. How, how is it possible 
that the intrusion of these people has made the world a better place. Yeah, that's as that's a that's all you need to ask. That's a simple. How question. is it possible that the intrusion of these fools has made Hobbs, New Mexico, for example, a better place? What, and why do they have to react to one person's complaint versus everybody else there uh, welcomes the gospel music? Officials are not permitted to lend credibility or prestige to religion by including religious messages in city events, Line wrote in a letter to city leaders. We urge you to cease including religious music and messages in official Hobbes events. Uh... The Freedom for Religion Foundation is apparently unaware that Dr. King was not just a civil rights leader, but he was also a renowned Baptist minister and a preacher of the gospel. Mm-hmm. This letter is a gross, intolerant display of anti-religious bigotry over the celebration of a man who dedicated his life to fighting injustice. First Liberty Institute attorney Michael Berry told the Todd Starnes radio show, whatever that is. No court has ever declared a ceremony observing Martin Luther King Jr. Day unconstitutional because it featured a gospel choir and religious language similar to those of the civil rights leaders, Barry said. Mm. Based on the Freedom from Religion Foundation's flawed argument, they would have also objected to Dr. King's historic I Have a Dream speech delivered on the National Mall. Put them back in the hearse and get them back in that ramshackle garage and let them not see their shadow for another six weeks. Wouldn't that be just great? Yep. Let's do it. Yeah. See you guys. Get them back on there. Head home, you see morons. You Head home, you idiots. They apparently... Well, how can they? They're not going to. When they go home, they're not going to win. They're they're like Stephen Witherspoon, who's in the race industry. He has to pretend that things are horrible and he's being oppressed by bad literature. These people have to pretend they're upset by this, otherwise they wouldn't be in business. And I don't know how they're funded. Well, they're funded by uh, agnostics and atheists and free thinkers who uh, probably send them five bucks a quarter or something. I don't know. They They get a newsletter out of it. Do you think they pat themselves on the back as they're walking back toward the ambulance saying, boy, we really made good for this one person that complained? Or do they, uh, I mean, what's, what is their success? Where do they feel satisfied? And, and how about the attachment of virtue by the Freedom from Religion Foundation to spring into, to spring into action on behalf of a concerned citizen? Yeah. B as in B. S as in S. It's just constant. It's, well, it's become fun for us because we've got the hearse and right. the siren, and off they go to reveal their folly at every single opportunity they can find. Hobbs, New Mexico, which nobody in the Freedom from Religion Foundation had ever heard of. Right. I've ever, never, ever heard of them. And I know people in Texas. This is New Mexico. In New Mexico. I know people in New Mexico, too. So do I. Stones throw from Texas. That's where Camp lives. John Camp lives in uh, Santa Fe. Huh. I should text him some. I might text him today and say, "You ever heard of Hobbs, New Mexico? There was a terrible, terrible uh, uh, uprising there the other day. Uh, they sang some gospel music at a Martin Luther King celebration." Then he'll probably write some crazy scene into his next book. 
University of Garage Logic, 98. College of Self-Esteem, zip, nada, nothing. Here's Joe Suchere. Huh? Offsite correspondent Downing has a great point. I don't understand why the fundamentalist zealots of the Freedom from Religion Foundation don't oppose the MLK holiday completely. Congress has created a holiday honoring a religious figure, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Wouldn't their way of thinking make him completely off limits for a government-created holiday? Of course it would. Wilson Pickett's best ever right here. This one right here? 1500 ESPN is KSTP, St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's 9 degrees. 